no helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I never said he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag. And I have high hopes for the swag bag. Trash. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trash. All right, welcome back. Episode five, Beltway Golfer. Thanks for joining me. Uh, appreciate everybody that listened last week to our show with Craig Kirby and Golf My Future My Game. Be sure to check out his website, golfmyfuturemygame.org. Got an awesome guest this week, got an awesome show with uh, Ernie Andrews from Langston Golf Course, second show in a row that we've recorded at Langston. But great conversation today, really excited about it. Before I get to it, real quick, going to do a a quick book plug. Um, Keep it in the family. This is a book that came out actually this week. Uh, It was written by uh, my father, Paul Dixon. Uh, It's a book called uh, The Rise of the GI Army. It's all about um, the lead up and, and the preparation and the training exercises that our American military did right before World War II in 1940 and 1941 in rural Louisiana and Alabama that played an enormous role in the um, United States' success uh, over in Europe in World War II. If you're a military history buff uh, or you know any military history buffs, um, please check it out. Again, The Rise of the GI Army by Paul Dixon. I'd be remiss if I didn't give uh, my dad a plug on, on his book that came out literally um, this past Tuesday. So congrats, Dad. Um, check it out, The Rise of the GI Army. Um, today's show, um, did an interview with Ernie Andrews at Langston Golf Course. I uh, was really excited to do it. Ernie's been working at Langston for like 50 odd years. Started caddying when really he was 10 years old. Sit down with Ernie and, and hear his take, not just on the history of Langston Golf Course and the culture and the, and the community that, that represents, but also uh, his opinions on the future of the course. Right now, him and the rest of the Langston staff, as well as Rock Creek and East Potomac, are employees of the current concessionaire golf specialist inc that will change later this fall when national links trust takes over as the new operator and assuming everything goes as planned brings in true management to, to start managing the three golf courses so they've been very big on talking about uh, continuity amongst the staff and, and keeping the community and keeping the culture so Hopefully that means that Ernie and, and much of the staff at Langston, the other two golf courses, will remain, but it's still a business, so it remains to be seen. I thought it would, it would be a great opportunity and important to give Ernie um, this platform to, to tell everybody about his history and himself and, and his thoughts on Langston, not just the past, but the, the, but the future of Langston. So really excited to, uh, to sit down with him, and he was gracious enough to sit down for about 45 minutes with me, and, and, and you know, we covered a lot of topics. Uh, he's got a lot of stories. He's played um, golf at Langston with uh, a lot of big names over the years, a lot of celebrities, a lot of famous golfers, a lot of personalities. Barely scratched the surface on all the stories and anecdotes that he has. Um, before I get to the interview, one more book club, two, two, two today. 
Um, this is a, a book that is very relevant to the conversation. And Ernie and I actually had a conversation about this book off camera after an interview. It's called Game of Privilege. Uh, it's about the history of African-American golf in the United States, uh, written by a gentleman by the name of Lane Demis. I might be mispronouncing that, but Lane Demis, I believe. Um, but it, it really covers everything from the... Um, you know, the segregation of golf courses, um, the, the, all the efforts um, to integrate golf courses throughout the country. It goes into the history of the UGA, which is essentially the black golf tour that Ernie talks about in our, in our interview. Um, and, there's, and there's several anecdotes and stories specifically about Langston Golf Course and um, golf and race throughout the 20th century in Washington, D.C. So I encourage everybody to check it out. The Game of Privilege, Lane Dennis. Um, that's it. So we'll get to the interview. Uh, here's Ernie Andrews, Langston Golf Course. All right, we are out here at Langston Golf Course in Northeast DC with Ernie Andrews. Um, one of the big reasons I wanted to talk with, with Ernie and bring him on Bellway Golfer is um, I've, I've played the course many times over the years. Um, I, don't, I don't think I ever officially met Ernie, but Ernie is at least to me, and I think a lot of a lot of golfers in the city is, is kind of the face of Langston Golf Course, uh, and has been working here for for, for a long time. I, I won't make really it, I, I won't make him say exactly how many years, but yeah. but for a long time. Long time. Started caddying at Langston at what age? At the age of ten. Ten. Um, we, well, I won't even say what year because I don't want people to start doing the math. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but so, you know, we want to talk today, obviously changes are coming. In our first episode, we talked to Nationalist Trust. Uh, this past week, um, they were uh, awarded uh, to be the new operator of the three golf courses by the National Park Service. So change is coming. And, you know, we certainly wanted the chance to talk to uh, one of the longest members, if not the longest member of the, of the Langston staff. I don't know, are you the longest? Uh, I'm not, however, uh, we have, have uh, a couple guys that are up in age that are really staying in the house because of this pandemic. Uh, and that, that was here way before I was. Sure, okay. Um, so let, let, let's start. So you've, give, give us a ballpark. How, like how many years have you been working at this golf course? So you've been involved in like... Oh, you're talking about starting at 10. We're talking about uh, around 50 years. Oh, 50 years. So... You've seen a lot at Langston. And Langston's changed a lot in 50 years. Well, I've, I've heard a lot from credible sources and i experienced a lot also. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let's, let's start there. The, 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 the golf course and just Langston clubhouse, golf course, everything, you know, compared to today in 2020, 50 years ago, what, what, what was of different course, about it? 50 years ago, the trees were small, you know, and we didn't have too many big trees up here. Uh, now they're big, covering the whole course. Uh, that's part of the time, I guess, and growth. Uh, we're talking about the backside has been re uh, renovated and changed three times uh, since I've been here. But the front side remains uh, uh, intact because that was the original side because there was only nine holes open in the beginning. When you started, there was only nine. No. Or when back it went, in 39. Back in 39. Okay, like I was saying. Um, but you said, so the back nine has been renovated or changed at least three times since you've been here. Like the routing, like the like how, where the holes go, that, that, that's changed uh, since you've been here? More, more like uh, 
Uh, let's say, for instance, number 10 used to be a power four. Okay. And uh, it was played uh, at, back in the 70s, in the late 70s, when Lee Elder was concessionaire here. Mm -hmm. Because that's when I, I saw Lee Trevino, Esau Aoki, uh, Gary Player, and they had, they had matches. Here? Yeah, that's right. They had matches here. And they played the back nine. I remember the, specifically number 10 was still the part four. Uh, number 11 was the part five. And now the course has been redone. It's been switched around where number 10 is the part five, number 11 is the part four. What was different when it was a part four? So right now, number 10 at Langston, the back tees, you're hitting over a, a, across the uh, That's across where the, the water. tees were. Or, but the green was maybe in different The greens were straight across where the driver range is now. Okay. And it went left. Uh, when the driving range starts, there was just a bunch of high weeds and grass toward the river. That that land wasn't even used. So when they put in the range? Uh, they put in the range. Uh, of course, when when the company had it, golf uh, course specialists had a contract with the uh, people that was uh, building the convention center downtown, okay. and uh, they won the contract for bottom soil and top soil dumping. Uh, so they built the range up. And they, they, took, they took the soil they from the project the at the convention center and correct. brought it over here to build the range. Um, and it was an easy uh, fit because uh, they could be in lower because other companies had to haul this dirt way out of town somewhere, so that's man hours and gas and all that's but here, I mean, it was quick. Quick. Uh, they had planned on uh, building the driving range, so it was a perfect fit. So, for those that don't know, Golf Course Specialists uh, has been the concessionaire for all three DC golf courses for how many years? Well, for Langston since 1983, but uh, they were, I think they had East Potomac in 81, yeah. maybe earlier. So, there you are employer today. And, and so their, con their, their days of being the concessionaire will be up once National Lynx Trust takes over. Yes, yes. Uh, they, they've been holding down the fort, uh, so to speak, for, for over five years until uh, a new concessionaire was found and uh, they finally had signed the contract. So, uh, hey, they relieved of duty. <laughs> um, so you just touched on, you just casually threw out Lee Trevino, Asayoki, and Gary Player uh, playing here. But I know that's, that's a fraction of the famous golfers and personalities and celebrities that have come through these doors. A, a small fraction. Um, give, give, us a, give us a couple. I've read about a few. I mean, obviously Joe Lewis played here quite a bit, but I've, I've heard Muhammad Ali played here. Mike Tyson, maybe. Mike Tyson didn't play, but he he visited us. Okay. Uh, uh, we were glad to have him. He uh, and we were talking about President Ford. These people I've seen, Bob Hope, people I've seen, and countless uh, athletes. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Doug Williams played here uh, right before he signed the contract for the Redskins. Yeah. I believe that he was said. He said, "Let me let me check out the golf around here before I sign the contract." recruited. Being recruited. So we're gonna take credit for that. <laughs> there you uh, go. Darrell Green of the Redskins used to come, used to come out here on a weekend basis and.
play nine and, and go. Uh, we're talking about benefit tournaments where we've seen a lot of the Redskins. Uh, yeah. uh, Ted Bacter is a regular. He's, just throw him in. He's a regular. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He's been a regular for a long time. He played for the Redskins. Uh, I've seen Larry Brown, Pat Fisher, Ron McDowell. These guys come in. And so, has that has that slowed down over the years? It has somewhat because of uh, there was a, a policy set forth by the National Park Service governing governing uh, what we call uh, benefit tournaments. Okay. You know, and uh, a lot of people and. I experienced some complaints that they were turned off because uh, Park Service policy came to the point where a person, uh, organization giving the benefit to them could not advertise their tournament at the golf course. Oh, so you could have, like, and by benefit tournament, you mean like a tournament for charity? Fundraisers, yeah. right. Fundraisers. So you could still have it, you just weren't allowed to advertise it. You're, you're, not, you're not allowed to collect money on the property. Mm. Okay. And this this didn't come about until the nineties, I believe. Uh, you're not allowed to advertise your tournament before the date of the tournament. You can advertise the date of the tournament, okay. and then when the tournament is over, you have to take all your advertising with it. So that kind of turned a lot of people off. I, I mean, you can still collect your money online. Or, Probably easier nowadays with technology. Yeah, yeah. Back then, back then. So, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a real uh, big uh, wrench thrown into the works. But uh, I've seen uh, where we we could have maybe ten events a year, go down to maybe one or two. Um, and Langston's hosted some big tournaments here, not just in, in your day, but but back when the UGA was going. They had the UGA National here, right? They had, yes, that was before my day. Uh, and I'm going on uh, credible sources. <laughs> tell me the stories. Sure, sure. Ted Rose and and that bunch. Not only that, uh, they had co-president of UGA who was uh, here in Langston. Not only, they managed the golf course, which was uh, Paris Brown. And her husband Edgar Brown, and they were co-presidents of the UGA. And so you started working here full time just after Lee Elder uh, was a concessionaire. And for those folks that, that aren't familiar with Lee Elder, um, you know, one of the most famous black golfers that, that ever played, Absolutely. and the first African American to ever compete in the Masters mm -hmm. in like 1975, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so, so who was the who, who ran the Langston, when you when you started, when I started, it was a company called uh, Laughlin, the Laughlin Group, and they had all three courses. And eventually, uh, it dwindled down uh, to them having like a subcontracted out to another group of guys who play golf out here every day. Uh, that didn't work. That went under. Maybe three years, uh, and the course actually closed. Yeah. 
Why, not to go back, but why did uh, Lee Elder, from what I understand, he was the concessionaire here and ran the course for only about three or four years. Correct. And, but you also said, you told me earlier that you know you, you, have, you have a relationship with Lee. Do you know why it didn't last as long as it could have? Uh, uh, you know, rumors, whatever, I don't know the specifics of what happened or what didn't happen. But uh, even before that, uh, Langston was closed and one of my mentors, Joe Whitfield, uh, got a petition to reopen until uh, Park Service could find a concessionaire and sign a contract. So he, he came here the day that uh, we were supposed to, he was supposed to open. I had no idea uh, until he picked me up uh, walking across the street and I asked him where he was going. He said, I'm going to open Langston back up. So he said, jump in and help me open. We came in and we dusted off. We got rid of spiderweb, cobwebs, and everything, and opened the doors once again. This was back in the 1977. Oh, wow. And he held it until uh, Lee Elder took okay. over. Um, and so you, and one of the reasons about so, so you're a teaching professional here today, but back, back, back then, you, you were a bit of a player yourself. Well, I, I played junior tournaments, I won my share. Uh, my amateur career extended uh, maybe a few tournaments uh, before I went to college at Virginia State University. And uh, after that, uh, years later, I was encouraged by the guys I played with to turn pro. Did I read, and you'll have to tell me a little bit, I'm not, I've heard of it, but I'm not too familiar with it, that you played, or maybe, maybe I'm getting this one, did you win a Capital City Open? I did win a Capital City Open. What was it? Tell us about, what, what was the Capital City Open? The Capital City Open was one of the uh, stops on the UGA, the Black Golf Tour, uh, which uh, lasted longer than the UGA did. Uh, won by a lot of great golfers, uh, and played by people like Fred Funk and the Elder and all the black stars and a lot of white golfers played also. Where was that held? Played and competed. Uh, we, it was held in several courses around the area and Langston was the main course. I remember at Andrews Air Force Base it was held. I remember at Lake Arbor. They moved, they moved it around. They moved it around. Uh, maybe later on, you know. But it was mostly at, at Langston. There's one other uh, part of my golf career that I'm proud of, other than winning the Cap City Open. Well, yes. I have also shared a course record here. Is that right? Yes, 63. 63? Uh, How long ago was that? No, that's when I could play. <laughs> <laughs> we also, uh, also, uh, being here and uh, being around the black folks who were ambitious to and caring for some of them who qualify for, go out for the local qualify for the U.S. Open, that I started doing. Yeah. But so, uh, in, uh, in the middle 90s, uh, I, it was difficult to make it past the first stage. We're talking about being in the top four of 150 golfers, both championship amateurs and pro sure. golfers. So, uh, in Glendale, uh, I, I accomplished that. By going to the, the second stage. Is that right? Playing out here, man. Of course, it just closed. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, uh, and uh, 
that that was my experience with the PGA Tour, the fact that I got to play 36 holes with Jim Fear and Tom Byron. Two of the greatest guys you would ever want to meet. Yeah. And uh, so you got pretty close to getting into the ESO. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, I thought that was an opportunity for me to really see where my game was. And uh, at that time, I told myself I could come out here and fall on my face if I want to. I earned it. Or I can come out here and be aggressive assertive and play like I know how to play. And that's what I did. And all throughout the round, Jim Ferrick was like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? <laughs> this guy local? And uh, I made a good impression on them and they surely made one on me. Uh, I didn't I didn't make it to the US Open. That was the year they played in Shinnecock. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Corey Paper won that game. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't because that golf course was wicked. It was wicked. All right, I think that, I think that and, year uh, made, made, made <laughs> But Tom Byron did make it. Okay. Tom Byron, Jim Fierke, and I didn't make it. We had the same score, actually, uh, 146. So I was proud of myself. I beat half the field. It was my first experience. And most of those guys were doing pros. Yeah. Yeah. Let me remind you, sure. because of the Kemper Open was here, and instead of going somewhere else to qualify, mm -hmm. they had to qualify right here for them. Those guys who didn't make the uh, U.S. Open. Yeah. So they had to qualify. The two, Greg Stad and all of them. And I'm not going to tell you the names of the people that I beat, but it was a biggie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so is your course record here at Langston, is that still the course record? Well, uh, myself and uh, a fellow uh, professional golfer from Sierra Leone hold a record named James Levy. Uh, he was, oh man, he was one of, a great golfer from, uh, he was on the South African tour for years. Uh, he played with DJ and Ian Woosnam and the rest of those guys. And he's known as a long hitter. He was a long. Interesting. I'm, I'll have to look him up as well. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's wild. Uh, 60, it's, a, it's par 72? Par 72. Par 72. It's a good score. Well, hey. I wish I could do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still giving lessons out here? Uh, I do give lessons, uh, kind of. Uh, right now, you know, with the pandemic, of course, uh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna uh, speed that up as soon as we uh, go maybe to phase three, to phase sure. deep into phase two. Um, so obviously, Langston. For those that haven't actually been here, we are literally right across the street. From RFK, the football stadium that's been empty for some time now. I guess the soccer team, DC United, played there for a while. But RFK is known for housing the Washington Redskins, um, especially during kind of their heyday and the glories and the, the glory years in the Correct. 80s and 90s. Um, what, what was that kind of like, just run, running a municipal golf course right across the street from a Super Bowl winning team in their stadium? Well, you can always depend on a full house that morning before the game. And then after, once the game started, parking was scarce. I bet. Well, did people try to park in Langston to then walk oh, to the game? Oh, yes, and, and, and people did come here and play in the morning and, and walk across the street to the stadium. And their cars stayed here. I mean, it was not an inconvenience at all. I imagine that, you know, you mentioned all these Redskins over the years that 
have played or become reg regulars here. Um, I imagine some some of those guys like Daryl Green and, and, and Doug Williams. Those, I mean, they're practicing probably right across the street. You know, when, when they're playing RFK, but they hop over here before and after practice, they put nine in. Uh, yeah. Uh, that 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 was true. Uh, also, uh, this one player who surprised me was Ernest Bond. He had a pretty decent, fair game. Oh yeah. And we had a match out here. And he took one of the guys as a partner, and I took a partner. Yeah, it did turn out good for me. Uh, namesake. <laughs> namesake. And, uh, and I, I think I had a hot day that day, because he said he played in pro-ams and benefit tournaments. He never, with touring pros. He said, I've never seen anybody do to a dog for what you just did to me. <laughs> and it paid off. Oh yeah, yeah. Good, good. I'm glad you had a couple, couple dollars on. Oh yeah. Oh, well, we we were fair. Perfect. That's good to hear. Um, so, so length. So, so obviously, there's been a lot of changes over the years. So one of the other things I want to talk about is, you know, the clubhouse here. So this is this is it. This is on the. Um, register of, of National Historic Places, uh, but this clubhouse here at Langston is something special. Um, it's really a part of the, the part of the community, and uh, I mean, you can talk about it. But a lot of folks come here that aren't necessarily playing golf to to, to meet their friends and and to, you know, get some food and, and spend some time. Well, uh, one of the things that attracted people to Langston is that we had a collage of pictures of people who patronized Langston, golfers. And the family members, you know, come here to look on that that board to see their family member who had passed mm -hmm. away to show their grandchildren this is the way Pop Pop looked, this is the way he was, this yeah. is the way he stayed. And it must we must have had two or three hundred pictures. Uh, we had names, uh, honorary names of guys who patronized Langston on the benches, their names are on the benches, the family members come to see that. Uh, and just the grill, people come off the street to uh, take at the grill, and they, they never play golf, they're always uh, accepted like as part of the community. I mean, when I come here to play golf, I, the, the, the term that, that I comes to mind, it, almost, it feels kind of like that like barbershop culture a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes, and, and when people read the history of Langston, and they've been coming here all this time, never realized, mm -hmm. you know, wow, you know, I've been coming here, I've never realized this, I've never realized that. Sure, sure. That's the thing, I mean, we're, we're sitting with these pictures behind us. A lot of these, I, I didn't mean, I looked, didn't look at them closely, but a lot of these are honoring some of the, the clubs and, um, you know, historic African-American clubs, like, like Wake Robin. Cool, right? Wake Robin, and, and you know obviously a lot more than I do about it, but they were the first all-women African-American? African-American women uh, golf organization. Uh, uh, they organized in, I believe, in 1939, when the was first uh, open, uh, along with uh, uh, Wake Robin was the Royals, which is a men's golf club. So both of those are in the Black Golf Hall of Fame. And do they still, are there still members of those two groups still in existence? Sure. Do they still have events sure. here? Do they still play? Sure. They still, members still play here. Uh, 
the organizations are intact. They're recruiting younger people. Uh, and uh, the pictures of what, what that we're looking at now is the first celebration with the 75th anniversary of Langston Garden. And all these people were invited out to participate. We had tents set up. We had popcorn and so that was, face painting that was for the kids. 20, 20, 2013, 2014? Uh, we're talking Seven. about 70, yeah, 75 years. Yeah, yeah, okay. And we've been every year, <clears throat> second week in June, except for this year, uh, we celebrate Langston. So this would be... Uh, I, mean, this. Some, I mean, I haven't even fully digested some of the history and pictures on the walls of this place. And um, again, this is a small example of really what went on here. Yeah. Smaller example. That, uh, is it fair to say there, there's an easy argument to be made that this might be the most significant golf course in the country um, for, for, for African Americans and, and golf and sport of golf? Well, uh, for a long time, and uh, Langston was the mecca of black golf on the East Coast along with some more golf clubs like uh, Cobbs Creek and... Uh, Which is also getting, it's, they're getting a redo right now as well. You're right, right. Uh, and uh, the Skyview Golf Club, that, which was was sold just recently in uh, New Jersey. I remember, uh, you know, that being my second home, along with uh, uh, golf course wasn't considered. Black was Eisenhower in Annapolis, uh, Maryland, but the reason why that was considered black because the head pro was black. Al Green was black. Uh, he, his brother, Skip, was his assistant pro. Uh, and his brother, Frank, was super good. Really? Is that still, yeah, they're closed right now. They're getting redone yeah, they, as well. they've been closed. Is that kind of still considered a, you know, a, a Well, we haven't, we, uh, since Al left, Al left uh, how to come here to work with Lee Ellen. And not only that, uh, Frank came here also. They used to uh, commute from Annapolis every every morning. Uh, Call those guys, yeah. you know. So what is so? Obviously, changes are afoot, as we as we referenced earlier. You know, what is the community talking about when they, when they think about the, the change? I, 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 would, I would imagine there'd have to be some concern, like you know, making sure that. Um, the history remains, the culture remains, you know, what, what's, the, what's the scuttlebutt, if you will, in, around the clubhouse? What, what are people well, concerned about? Because of the pandemic, you don't hear much of anything because people are not here. However, uh, we're in a wait-and-see mode, you know. We anticipate improvement, not necessarily change, but improvement of what you have already. Sure. And building on what is already established. So if you... Uh, you don't have that in mind, and uh, you may do this community a disservice. Right, and you might you might end up with community kind of turn turn your back on the force. Now, especially the D.C. City Council. Yeah, they protect this place viciously. And uh, from from what I know, there was at least one, maybe more members of D.C. City Council that may have been involved in a bid that that lost yes, that some yes. So that I'm sure they're going to have a close watchful eye on everything that, that happens here. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what about from a, a golf course perspective? As, as a former legitimate player, you know, what would you like to see kind of happen to the course itself? 
Well, like I said, uh, not necessarily changing, but improving what you already have. Uh, there, there's areas out here that need regrading uh, for drainage. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure that uh, that's going to be their decision. Uh, my recommendations start with simple things like uh, repainting, the, the, repainting the parking lot, you know, so people can see where they're parking. Uh, I don't know, and I warn them about having in mind drastic changes because you're dealing with a, a, a National Park Service who are, uh, you know, they're laden with policies and protecting this place and, and not allowing it to get out of hand uh, because it was initially built for not necessarily, not only African Americans, but to maintain low green fees. Sure. So, so a company want to come in and put a whole bunch of money in, uh, that's going to be problematic to that point. What, can you recapture your investment? Right. And uh, the National Park Service, from my experience, are not going to let you raise the green fees. Right. Uh, we're talking about $80, $90. That's, that's out of the question, yeah. at least my experience. So my thing is, okay, it, you need, your attitude should be, it's a privilege to run these courses in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, and to improve on the grounds of what you have, to bring to upgrade, sure. update. Yeah, I, I know that's, that's their intention. You know, that's, that's their plan. Okay. You know, obviously, it's, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. We'll but, see. I, you know, they're... they're they're certainly their their intention is in the right place. You know, obviously I spoke to National Links Trust on, on this show, Mike McCartan, and uh, you know I read a lot about their their plans and you know their their intention and their their plan is to obviously honor honor the history and, and, and try to keep as much of that alive and the accessibility and the cost down and all that. Obviously, we'll we'll see what the future holds, um, but I know their 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 head and their heart is in the right place so far. Anyway. Um, so that's. Super positive. Um, so, you know, is, what, what, today, I mean, Langston's still getting, you know, during, how, how's the pandemic treating you? I mean, obviously the, the clubhouse is closed. How, is the course getting a lot of play? The clubhouse is closed to employees only. Uh, however, people were desperate to get out. It's been full almost on the weekend. You can't even get on the golf course. It's, it's, it's so full. However, we're still uh, respecting the uh, pandemic uh, uh, stipulations uh, that we were given, and we're practicing that 100%. Uh, and and if we don't, so we can be shut down. So it behooves us to to protect people and remind people to protect themselves. Sure. Um, so one of the one of the things that's interesting about National Links Trust and their and their plan is one of the gentlemen um, who has agreed to come in and do some of the coursework is a gentleman named Bo Welling who, who I didn't know the name before too long ago, um, but he is he has his own golf course architecture and design firm. But he's also the lead course designer for a certain Tiger Woods. Okay, that's great uh, because we. In the past, we've had uh, course designers come and 
come aboard to, to help uh, redesign some of the holes out here, especially on the back line. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like pro bono work, sure. so to speak. Is, does, you know, obviously Langston being such a significant course to, 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 to black history and, and black golf history, um, you know, you pull out, I think not too long ago, I pulled up the, the Wikipedia page for Langston, which, you know, a lot of that's misinformation, a lot of it's uh, lacking information. One of the things it said was, you know, essentially every, every uh, significant um, black golfer in the history of the game has come through these doors to play this, except there's one very notable exception, and that's, and that's Tiger Woods. Yeah, that's Tiger does, does, that, does that matter to the folks here? Uh, it doesn't affect the history. However, uh, we respect that, uh, respectfully, we, we lobbied Tiger Woods to come here and that do a cool. clinic. However, uh, we don't have the space. Right. I mean, we're talking about he might attract 50,000 people, right. and we had nowhere to put it. Yeah. So it's, that's been problematic, uh, but we've been in contact with Tiger. Uh, and has he been responsible? Over the years, uh, has he been, been responsible? Yeah, yeah. Okay. but he really wants to raise uh, money for the junior golf programs in the area, and uh, and he's been in the area, but just not at lunch. Yeah. How about, how about another... Um, Famous golfer who was who was in the White House not too long ago, uh, Mr. Obama. Uh, Mr. Obama hasn't been here yet. I'm sure he knows about Langston. Uh, of course, we had DC mayors here all the time. Sure. You know, his their constituents. Uh, is he, Mayor Bowser, she is she a golfer? Mayor Bowser has not been here. <laughs> Uh, I won't say she hasn't been here. She's not yeah, golfing. She, she's not golfing. She's not uh, playing. Mayor Williams been here, and yeah. he's a golfer. And Is he? Lefty. <laughs> I don't want that. And, uh, uh, Vincent yeah. Gray, was he, was he a golfer? He was not necessarily a golfer that I know of. Yeah. But like I said, a lot of them been here, you know, to uh, speak to their constituents. Yeah. Um, any, any, somebody, you have any, um, you know, fun, fun stories that, that, you, that you care to share from over the years, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, you know, you've been here, you're here a long time, you've seen some interesting folks right. walk through these doors. Right. I'm curious if you have any anyone that, that, that listeners or viewers would... Well, uh, locally, you know, we're talking about having a benefit tournament and uh, seeing people like Pat Fisher, Ron McDowell come through the door cracking jokes. They both should be stand-up comedians. They are funny, funny, funny guys. Uh, that's one of the stories. Uh, why would Why did Mike Tyson pay this? Well, Mike was in town uh, for a conference meeting, whatever, and uh, one of the guys who patronized Langston was also a, a boxer and a referee, okay. referee fight. So. Uh, Mike went to him and said, uh, you know, I'm hungry, I want to go to a place where my people are, you know. And so he said, well, I got a place for you. Uh, come to Langston. Langston, what's that? It's a golf course. What, what do we need to come to a golf course for? Uh, so he said, well, come, come, and we'll show you. And Mike came here with three limousines full of people. And as brazen as Mike was, I had just gotten off work uh, in the pro shop. And I, I remember ordering uh, uh, 
some chicken wings, and they were just done. So they were, we had the best chicken wings in town. Yeah. And I got my wings and turned around, and here Mike Tyson come walking through the door. Of course, I'm not surprised anymore of celebrities, but I've seen a lot. But I said, Mike, what are you doing here? So Mike said, how you doing, brother? And he told me the story, uh, the guy's name was uh, Sylvester Stevens, we call him Monk, who was a fight referee, mm -hmm. been in the fight game for years. Uh, he said, yeah, uh, Monk brought me here. I didn't understand why, but now I know, you know, because of the historical significance and, and those things. And I said, well, you know, we're known for uh, some of the best food in town. Try one of these wings. He said, no, go ahead. I'll let you. He said, I said, no, man, try one. And he tried one, ate one. He must have came back and ordered, had eight orders. <laughs> Fried up for him. They set out. We had a bag drop right there uh, at the parking lot. He set out there. And at that time, school kids getting out of school. Up here, we had preschool. We, at that time, we had spring garden, high school. We had a junior high school and elementary school. Yeah. And a lot of the kids would come past this way. So Mike had sat out there for three hours, signing autographs, pictures, giving away things to the kids that came through here. So wow. that was... Uh, how, how old do you think Mike was at that time? Oh, Mike was still in his fighting game. Okay. You know, he was still, you know, he, was, he wasn't... Uh, he was in his maybe early 30s or something like that. And you, so you mentioned Spingarn. So Spingarn, I mean, it, it, it is some, yeah. it's not, not here anymore. But they've had some famous, among other things, basketball players come through the oh, door. Oh, yeah. Pearl sure. Washington, Dave Bing. Oh, yeah. Did, oh, did, yeah. Did, I, did Elgin Baylor play there? Elgin played. Sherman uh, Douglas, am I getting that? Yeah, yeah, there you oh, go. Some big time players. Big time, NBA <laughs> players. Absolutely. Yeah. Elgin Baylor, NBA Hall of Fame. Um, were you here? What about um, Muhammad Ali? Well, I wasn't here, uh, but the Muhammad Ali was stopping. Uh, uh, another uh, person uh, that I was told that uh, Tony Atlas, who was a wrestler, would come here and play chess and check it with the, with the older guys, you know, sitting around. And uh, the story is about how he would have to literally blend down to get through the door. He was so tall and big. That's funny. Um, the last thing I want to talk about before, before we get you out of here, um, you caddied a little bit. Um, and one, 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 one big famous name that people know is uh, Jim Thorpe. Caddy Thorpe. I, uh, like I said, I caddied for his, his main uh, caddy was a guy by the name of Jelly Hansberg, Richard Hansberg. Yeah. He's. Uh, He's caddied for Jim for years. Uh, when he wasn't uh, able to make it, uh, we're talking practice rounds for U.S. Open qualifiers and stuff like that. He would come and get me. Uh, Jelly for years. If you, if you watch all the tournaments, a lot of tournaments, you would see him as a guy who was on the par three teams. Okay. Which his job was to communicate what the players was hitting yeah. to the broadcasters. Uh, and he also was the vice president of the PGA Tour Candace Associates for years. So how did you know, how did you get connected with Jim? With Jim? Yeah. Oh, man, we, we, this, this has been a, uh, like a safe haven 
for black professional golfers. At a young age, I, I, I saw Jim Thorpe and Jim Dent, his brother Chuck Thorpe. Uh, many players came here. Many players came here. So you here. got him from him playing here? Like Come here nice. Many players. Uh, and it was like on a day-to-day -day basis. You didn't know who was going to show up. And they would stand down there, hit balls, and Calvin Pete came here and hit my practice balls. And, and Jim, I used to loan him my, my practice bag. I kept immaculate balls. Because at that time, we didn't have a driving range. So uh, they would look at the ball and say, hey, man, I can play with some of these. And I'm like, hey, man, don't even try. <laughs> don't even try. Get them out there. I go get them. No, no. Um, well, listen, this, is, this has been great. Uh, I know that we have only scratched the surface of some of the stories you have, um, but I'll, I'm, we're going to save those so that you can share them with, with people that come in and, and come through these doors for, okay. years, for years to come. So I hope that you're here for years to come, along with you know the, 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 the staff here. Um, you know, obviously, one of the reasons that I thought it was great to have you on here is you know things are things are changing and. National Links Trust and the National Park Service, you know, it, it sounds like they are absolutely planning on, on, on doing right by Langston and, and keeping uh, the community and the culture that exists today to be a part of it. Um, but I think it's very important and I'm glad we're able to, to hear, hear from you and hear your voice representative of, of the team here. I wish you nothing, nothing but the best of luck and, and um, it sounds like Langston's got a bright future and, and um, Hope so, I, I, and I certainly sounds like everyone's smart enough to have you have you be a part. Of it. Well, I can only tell you what, what I know. <laughs> I can only tell you what I know. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Ernie, it's been great. I appreciate All it right. very much. All right, Alex. I got um, judging Langston's ideas. I don't have a good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a I'm a regular dude living in D.C. And I want to know about DC-centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I don't want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about DC golf.